Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Jay Anelli. I'm Lorelai Weissel. I'm Brian Dawes. And I'm Cristalano. So, uh, this week we're going to be continuing our D&D adventure, which is DM'd by our fantastic friend Chris here. And uh, we have a little bit of news, because this week, of course, like three different big announcements came out from Wizards of the Coast. Uh, the first is Magic Mana Strike dropped. And uh, Lorelai, you had something you wanted to talk about for that? Yeah, uh, I don't want to talk like too much about this game, um, but... Okay, first of all, none of us have no idea what's up with Robot Gideon, so we're not going to talk much about that. It's weird. He looks cool. He looks cool. It's weird. We're we're not talking about Robot Gideon. Because what I want to talk about is when you... uh, The the screen where you enter your name for your username and thing, um, it's Nicol Bolas having you sign a contract. And it's called Oath of the Battlefield. And uh, it, it's essentially like a waiver that 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 waives any liabilities that Bolas would have. And, and, and I want to read what it says because it's very funny. It says, uh, Oath of the Battlefield. Nico Bolas is not responsible for any mind-wiping, obliteration, imprisonment in walls, recurring or self-induced induced amnesia, spark donation, possession, decapitation, planar marooning, defenestration, completion, Eldrazi-induced mutation, entrapment in Hell Vault, electrocution, or any other loss of life or limb. I, the undersigned, to hereby agree to all stipulations as discussed above. I completely agree to the above conditions signed, and then it says tap here to enter your name. And that's, like, amazing. Because <laughs> that is a reference to, like, all the terrible things that have happened to Planeswalkers over, like, the last decade. It's so fun. Uh, it's very goofy, and I appreciate it. Uh, well, there's one thing I want to discuss about uh, Mana Strike. And that's Robot Gideon. Well, too bad. <laughs> uh, I don't know. He's cool. So, uh, real quick, Unsanctioned was fully previewed this week. We will have a Flavor Gems episode uh, around the time it comes out because we are our schedule is booked up until then. And the last thing is that Wizards of the Coast announced a new IP today from a studio they formed called Archetype Entertainment. It's a sci-fi RPG with uh, veteran Bioware developers of classic games like Knights of the Old Republic, Neverwinter Nights, and Dragon Age. Uh, In Mark Rosewater's article this week, um, there was a big long statement from Jeremy Jarvis, who heads up the franchise team, basically explaining what happened to Theros' story. There's a whole change of process. Uh, The TLDR is that they've got a new vetting process going forward. It confirmed that there will be an ebook for Ikoria, and it confirmed that uh, there is a Theros story that exists that are, they are going to find a way to publish at some point. Uh, so look for that sometime. I don't know when. Um, my best guess would be like Corsa, you know, when there's no story. But uh, who knows when that will happen? But it sounds like the Theros story that we don't have now is going to be published eventually. And that's nice, because it should be cool. And with that, let's return to our story in progress, Chris. Yes, well, I will do a quick recap for those of you who uh, have not listened to all of the fun of the first episode. I do recommend, if you haven't listened, to go back and listen to it, because there's going to be a lot of little things uh, that might be very important for the future of the story. But what I want to talk about right now is just the uh, gist of it. The three of our adventurers here... Uh, Bronte of Meletus, the Thaumaturge, uh, Erythros, the Iron Golem, and Fevrisk, the Tinkerer, uh, were arrested under some dubious charges in Meletus. They were kind of broken out of jail by a, um, a less reputable but very wealthy member of the Twelve Philosophers who govern Meletus. Uh, and they were sent on a trip to a wonderful place called Asphodel, which, as we all know, is uh, the land of the dead. Um, one of the uh, polices, poli, polici, uh, of Police. the polies. Thank you. Uh, CJ, you're not the only one who can mispronounce things on the show. <laughs> I actually have no idea. <laughs> we speak English. We can decline it as polices. Well, Asphodel is one of the uh, major polices of the returned. Uh, and most living people don't go there. And the ones who do don't always come back. 
So uh, kind of an interesting mission to be sent on with the goal of disrupting whatever black market is causing a huge inflation in Melitus. Uh, at the very end of the last session, after uh, Arethros killed someone, uh, good job. Hey, hey, uh, that was not on purpose. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was your wine that did it. Um, you were walking on a very foggy path, and you ended up following, for a moment, a returned satyr who was playing some very discordant pipes uh, and had a friend goat. And then the pipes stopped, and the goat stopped making its bleeding noise, and the fog started clearing. And you could see a shape approaching you. It was about 30 feet away. And then about 20. And at about 10 feet away from you, the fog parts enough. And you see the giant hulking mass that is a minotaur. And this minotaur looks angry. He's frothing at the mouth. His eyes are just wide open. Huffing and puffing and carrying with it a giant great axe. Uh, And so the first thing I want to do before we start this combat is I would like each of you to make a vote, because we did not establish this earlier. Uh, who is in the middle of the three of you? Uh, let's start with Erythros. Who is standing in the middle of this group, of the three of you? Uh, middle meaning front to back or left to right? Left to right. I kind of envisioned us being in a straight line heading down the path. not like With, little, with poor Bronte like pulling up the rear, kind of moping. Yep, <laughs> well, that, that's exactly what I was going for here. Uh, I'm going to say that you all stepped in a straight line up to the point where, uh, cause you were all trying to get sight of whatever this shape was in the fog. Oh, sure. That's fair. Yeah. But I, I want y'all to decide by vote on each other of who was the person standing in the middle. What if we all vote for a different person? Well, then I'll decide. I vote for Lorelai's character whose name is, was Erythrios? Erythros. Erythros. Okay, so Jay has voted for Erythros in the middle. Sure, I can uh, be Lorelei. in the middle. Majority vote. We win. Two. All right, so uh, Lorelai, uh, tell me who is standing to your left. I guess Bronte. All right, so Bronte's to your left, Erythros in the middle, and that leaves Feverisk on the side. Uh, good to know, because the Minotaur charges at the person standing to your left. Oh, that poor little boy. <laughs> We're going to start off this combat with a surprise round, meaning the Minotaur is going to go first, and then I will get your initiatives to figure out what order the three of you are going to go in. So, uh, Bronte, you're standing there, and you look up and see this hulking shape of a Minotaur, and it charges at you. And it is going to try and gore you with its horns. Uh, I believe I rolled on my die here. I rolled a 14, uh, and I do believe that that is going to... Yeah, that is actually going to hit you with his bonuses to attack. Okay. Um, so that is going to be, he charges up to you uh, with his horns down and just barrels right into you, uh, dealing a total of uh, 12 damage to you with that one hit. Wonderful. Uh, and if you could make a, a strength saving throw for me. Uh, that is a 15. All right, you actually save from that, but you do feel yourself get knocked back just a little bit, but you manage to uh, keep your footing, and you don't go flying as the Minotaur sort of flies right by you. Um, So now that we've started off this combat, uh, let's get initiative rolls. Let's do it. That's a nine from me. Seven for both me and my, uh, my, my defender. Fifteen is the number of the day. All right, so that will be... That means, Bronte, you're going to be the first up to go, and then Erythros, and then Feverisk. Um, So yeah, you just got uh, sort of sideswiped by this Minotaur who ran past you and sliced you open pretty pretty bad with one of its horns. Um, I will say that when he did that, you got a good enough look at him, because he got close enough to you that you could see that uh, he actually has some arrows sticking out of him, and he looks a little bloody, as if he's been in a fight with something already. Okay. Uh, I'm going to cast Hold Person on him. Okay, so tell me about Hold Person. Uh, he needs to make a Wisdom 13 saving throw. Oh, he uh, he definitely... You see your spell uh, go out of your hands, and you can feel the magic flowing through you. And he he seems to, like... You see it kind of hit him, and he pauses for just a second, and then he turns back around, because he's just passed by you, and he starts growling at you. 
it seems the magic did not pierce his uh, his hide. Okay, so he's still standing right next to me? Uh, he's about 10 feet off of you. He barreled past you and, like, hit you with his horns. Sure. Um, so with that, I'm going to run 30 to... Er, so I'm going to put myself and Lorelai between us <laughs> and then go the other direction. All right. Um, ah! What the heck? That hurts so much. Uh, Erythros, uh, your friend just got gored by a minotaur and then is basically hiding behind you. <sighs> Coward. I stare right into the minotaur's eyes, leering. Uh, my eyes like kind of glow magically red, just so y'all know. Uh, it looks pretty cool, and I'm kind of intimidating. And I just look at it and go, Listen, if you want to fight, you got to get through me first. The problem is, I'm coming at you. And I take my Warhammer out of my bag, bag, back, wherever it is, stowed somewhere on my back. <laughs> I don't know. However, Link does it. Uh, <laughs> um, and I'm going to uh, attack his face with my Warhammer. All right, give me an attack roll. Boop, boop, boop. Oh boy, that's a crit fail. Yeah, so you swing your hammer at his face. Uh, before realizing that the fog has kind of messed with your judgment on how far away he is, and your hammer hits the ground in front of you instead, uh, directly between you and the Minotaur, and it is stuck in the ground. Uh, so on your next turn, if you want to get that hammer out of the ground, I'm going to need a strength saving throw from or a strength check from you. So as an Eldritch Knight, I have a weapon bond, uh, and as a bonus uh -huh. action, action, I can summon my Warhammer right back to my hand. So I can just going to do that after swearing profusely. All right. So you swear profusely and you hold up your hands as if you're holding the hammer. And then it just magically with the power of Nyx appears back in your hands. Well, I was hoping it would be like a Thor's hammer situation where it just kind of like flies out of the ground and up into my hand. Uh, sure. <laughs> then it sends a bunch of dirt and dust flying up as well. Yeah, it looks awesome. It's a good show. Is there anything else on your turn? I believe you've done your action and your bonus action. That is it. So, uh, Fevrisk, uh, there's a Minotaur trying to kill all of you. So my my hackles go up. My fur starts to stand on end. Uh, this low growl starts to rumble in the back of my throat. Uh, and I pull out my uh, my spear, which has you know some delicate filigree with like lions roaring on it. And uh, I try and throw it at the Minotaur. How, about how far away is the Minotaur? Uh, only about 10 feet away from you. Oh, then I won't throw. I'm going to grab it in both hands. And uh, I'm going to jab at the Minotaur. All right. So Give me an attack roll. <laughs> Critical fail. Jesus oh, Christ. God. All right. Um, this is embarrassing. <laughs> See, this has given me some flashbacks to a certain uh, skeleton fight in our Innistrad campaign. Uh, so you take a jab with your spear at this Minotaur. Uh, and again, the fog is like mostly rolled away, but there's still enough there to kind of throw off your depth perception. And you you lean into it and you thrust forward with your spear. And at the end of your thrust, you realize that it is just sort of in front of him. It never actually hit him at all. And he sort of just kind of looks down at it and he grabs it with one hand. And I need you to make me a uh, strength saving throw. Oh, boy. Uh, 20. Dirty 20. Dirty 20. All right. You, he, he tries to tug it out of your hand and fails. Uh, you, you maintain your hold on it, uh, but it actually sort of pulls you closer to him. All right. Uh, and that, that is your, uh, your, your punishment for your critical fail. <laughs> uh, well, as I'm getting pulled uh, closer, I, I, I bark out an order in a, like a Leonin tongue at my steel defender, Gataki. Do you mean you meow out in order? <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, God, orders in the in a Leonin tongue, that's rough. Oh my God. All right. And so uh, the Gataki is going to attack it with uh, Force Empowered Rend. So let's see. Mm -hmm. That is a dirty 20. Uh, that will hit him. 
Alright, and so it's 1d8 plus 2 force damage. 5 damage. Alright, he, uh, you, you hit him with that, and he, he sort of flinches a little bit, and you notice that he does have, uh, several cuts and, and, like, scrapes, uh, and some bruising on him that you can see under his, like, kind of blood-matted fur. That roar didn't hit him anywhere in particular, but you start getting the idea that this, this Minotaur has already been in a fight today and might have some wounds that you could take advantage of. Gotcha. Uh, but it's his turn, and he's currently holding your spear. Mm. Uh, so the Minotaur looking at you is going to uh, go into a rage, and he's going to become kind of reckless with his attacks here. Uh, and he is going to swing at you uh, a his great axe that he's currently holding in one hand, and he brings it down on you while still kind of holding your spear with the other hand and is going to do 10 damage to you. Ugh. Yep. Uh, and that is uh, his turn. Bronte, back to you. Uh, you ran away screaming. Now it's your turn to, to uh, make something of yourself. I turn around looking at Bronte and say, hey, make something of yourself. <laughs> Bronte is going to be like, Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. That that hurt a lot. I'm sorry guys. This is this is all new. Uh anywho, um uh uh let's try this. And I'm going to uh reach out and uh whisper some some sacred words to Karanos and you're going to hear um a lightning bolt, the sound of lightning or thunder, but at the end of it there's a ominous ringing sound that sounds like bells going off and i need him to make a wisdom 13 saving throw all right uh he passes that very easily you're getting the idea that uh the minotaurs might be a little bit more um might have a little bit uh more of a head on their shoulders than you're giving them credit for (sighs) well this is just (sighs) i don't like this at all um and i will uh, kind of strafe over um, so that it's not a direct line between mm-hmm. anyone and myself and the Minotaur, but like it's just close enough to where like it's a straight line between me and him, but it's like he would have to pass by Lorelei to get to me. Yeah. Understood. And, and I have, I could cast Healing Word, but uh, I guess yeah, I'm going to go ahead and cast Healing Word on myself because that was more than half my hit points when he hit me, so... Yeah, let's do that. All right. Not the greatest, but not awful. I'll heal for five hit points. I mean, that's a significant amount. Um, for those of you uninitiated, uninitiated in the world of D&D, uh, the action economy of a turn, you get an action and a bonus action. And Healing Word is conveniently a bonus action spell. After Bronte's turn, uh, Erythros. Are you going to try and make up for your terrible, terrible swing of your hammer in the last round? Hell yeah. Um, how how tall is this minotaur? Oh, uh, this minotaur is easily eight feet tall. Okay, so like significantly taller than... Well, I guess I don't know how tall Feverisk is. Significantly taller than Feverisk. Yeah. Okay. I will tell you that. Frustrated and angry, I'm going to bellow out... Well, if this sucker doesn't want to get tenderized, let's sear this steer, and I'm going to cast Firebolt. All right, uh, so uh, the Minotaur was being kind of reckless with its uh, attacks earlier, so you actually have advantage on this attack roll. Cool. So that means you will roll 2d20 and take the higher result. Uh, well, that was a 24, so I'm probably not going to do better than that. Well, you could get a crit. Uh, I cannot, but it was a 23, so I almost did better than that. Okay, so 24. All right, roll your damage. It's 1d10, and that's 8 damage. All right, you sear uh, his side, and you notice, uh, you said that was 8 damage? 8. 8. You notice that uh, you've actually cauterized one of his bleeding wounds, but you also caught one of the arrows that was on him on fire. So now this uh, minotaur has a flaming arrow sticking out of him. Excellent. Uh, anything else for your turn, Erythros? That's it. All right. Uh, Feverisk, back to you. All right. I, I growl after getting uh, pounded by this guy. 
it, oh my god that like um <clears throat> after this getting a, smacked this is a family by this friendly person. podcast uh so d- does he still have a grip on my spear uh he seems to have <laughs> that doesn't make it, it sound <laughs> any better wow <laughs> he's he's let go yes he is let go of it am i far enough away that i that i i don't need to like disengage to to avoid him uh yeah your um your spear is a reach weapon if i believe right yeah mm-hmm. Um, so y'all were both uh, a good good enough distance away where you could move without having to provoke an attack of opportunity. Okay, I'm going to take a, uh, a few steps back, and then I'm going to um, heft my spear up uh, up by my head, and I'm going to throw it at the, uh, at the Minotaur. All right. So that is a ugh, seven. <laughs> uh, you, you still had advantage on this attack. He was so reckless when he attacked you earlier. Excellent. He left himself open. Well, then that's a dirty 20. All right. That'll hit him. All right. And that's 1d6 plus 3. 8 damage. All right. And then the spear reappears in my hand after the throw. This is a recurring theme. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I just want to be Fire Thor. <laughs> is, um... Is your uh, your steel, or excuse me, your uh, bronze sable going to do anything to... Yeah, the bronze sable is still up close to the minotaur, so it will uh, attack with force-empowered rend again. Okay. And that is a 18. Uh, also at advantage still. Every attack on this minotaur until no, his next let's, turn. Let's give it a try. Uh, 18 still the best. Alright, uh, 18 will hit. And 8 damage. Another 8 damage. All right. Uh, he is looking, um, he looks like you've definitely done some impact to him. The wounds that were there before are kind of getting covered up by these new wounds that you're adding on top of them. On his turn, he's going to look down at your bronze sable, and he is very upset with it, and he is going to make another reckless attack on your companion. Okay. Uh, will, hey, uh, I believe your bronze sable, can you tell me your bronze sable's AC? Uh, it's 15. Oh, yeah. He definitely just brings his axe down on top of it and does a good 10 damage to your uh, your bronze sable. Okay. All right. So it's sparking a little bit. <laughs> There's clear damage on poor Gataki. And the, the Minotaur raises its head up into the sky and lets out a bellowing yell. Um, and Bronte, will you make for me a perception uh, check. Oh, it's cocky with on a 19, though. That sucks. That's not bad. Uh, perception is mm-hmm. a 16. All right, you just noticed it. Uh, as he lifted his head up, you could actually see on his uh, left side, there seems to be a pretty big open wound there that is still bleeding pretty profusely. And it looks almost like he was gored by another animal's horn. Like moments before encountering the, the three of you. Oh dear. Oh, shoot. All right. Uh, so that was the Minotaur's turn. And Bronte, now it's your turn. So I envisioned myself running toward the direction that the Minotaur originally came from since he ran past me as he swiped mm-hmm. me with his axe. Um, do I notice anything coming from that direction after that yell? Uh, you do not. Okay. Um, so I will, um, gosh, he's got a good wisdom, so my only cantrip is a wisdom save. Uh, I don't want to use all my spells right off the bat. Uh, I will go ahead and cast, uh... That's loud, too. Uh, I'll cast Guiding Bolt on him. All right. And that has advantage, correct? Uh, it will have advantage if you are making an attack roll. Yep. That is a 21 to hit. That will hit him. Right. So tell me about your Guiding Bolt. So... Guiding Bolt... Like, Bronte holds up his hand and calls for Garanos's aid and uh, a bolt of blinding light in the shape of thunder or a bolt of lightning flies out of his hand and it hits him and it will deal uh, nine, ten, uh, thir- no, 14 points of damage All right. um, 
and it will illuminate the the Minotaur so that even if he weren't a reckless, if he hadn't been reckless, he would the next person would have advantage because it it illuminates all of his weak spots basically. All right, um, the rest of you or the other two, I suppose. Uh, well, I'll say the rest because there's two of you and a little bronze cat. Um, you notice that you can all now see the wound on his side, and it sort of glows uh, with the fresh stain of blood. And I'll go ahead and tell you because of that guiding bolt. Uh, if you aim for the wound on his side, you will do max damage if you hit it, but you will be attacking uh, at disadvantage, or if he is giving you advantage, you'll be making just one roll instead of the 2d20. Uh, okay. So, on that note, uh, Arethros, it's your turn. Oh, also, I will get uh-huh. closer to the party for fear of something hearing the call and coming from the direction he <laughs> uh, so, so, for quick reference... How? Where is everybody at this point? How far are are we all relatively far away from the Minotaur? I'm basically five feet behind you, Lorelai. I'm about twenty feet away, but my uh, my steel defender is uh, right up close. Okay, um, bronze defender again, and I <laughs> uh, steel would be OP. We're in ancient Greece. We haven't discovered that yet. I don't know what Greece is. This is Theros. That's fair. Uh, and I'm like ten-ish <laughs> feet away still. Uh, yeah, you're you're close enough where you can quickly close in for a melee attack if you would like. Oh, I would not like to. Okay. Because I, I I thought my seer joke was pretty funny, so we're gonna continue riffing on that. All right. I place my hammer onto the ground, lift up both my hands. Look at the Minotaur and say, "Let's turn up the heat." I'm gonna cast Burning Hands. Ooh. Now you will catch the Bronze Sable in this Burning Hands. Okay. Um, and you said I have advantage on this attack roll, right? Uh, if it is an attack roll, yeah. I don't think uh, Burning Hands does an attack roll. I think it just oh, that's uh, fair. It is an okay. It is self. Uh-huh. And it, yeah, it's the cone in front of me. Okay, so they have to do dex save. Yes, so my Minotaur has to make a dexterity saving throw, and uh, your Bronze Sable, uh, Feverisk, also has to make a dexterity saving throw. Uh, Dirty 20. Uh, Well, your Bronze Sable is definitely going to pass, and this Minotaur is not very dexterous. uh, So he does not pass his dexterity saving throw. Okay. So he becomes washed in the fire that comes from Erythros, and how much damage is... uh, this minotaur going to take whoops would help if i don't roll one on my dice off thing oh holy crap a lot um oh it's 3d6 and so Mm -hmm. that's gonna be like 19 i rolled really good wait well if it's 3d6 the max you can get is 18 i can count uh-huh. It's 16. I can math. Yeah. All right. Um, he... Look. You awash him in flame. Uh, also, that means your bronze sable took eight damage, Feverisk. Because um, it takes half yes. of the fire damage. Okay. It's... <laughs> um, the minotaur also looks very, very hurt at this point. Uh, you wash it with that flame... And once the flame is cleared, you actually see that all of the arrows that had been sticking into it are now on fire. And this minotaur looks like it is wearing a halo of flame. Cool. It is uh, barely holding on, but it it looks uh, over at you just as angry as can be. Uh, You could say it's um, infuriated. Okay. Uh, Um, I have mad cow disease. Oh. I was thinking the, uh, the the spell from Theros Beyond Death, Infuriate. Um, I'm going to use my action surge to take a second action this turn. All right. And what I want to do is I want to run up to it and, like, jump as if I'm swinging my hammer, but it's still on the ground. But, like, mid-jump, yeah. I want to summon it to my hands to bring it down onto the Minotaur's skull. I will allow that. Give me an attack roll. Uh, you are at advantage, by the way. Uh, good because that was a bad roll. Uh, so that is going to be a nineteen. 
I'm sorry. I'm looking at wrong numbers. Uh, it is going to be a 17. 17 will still hit it. Give me the damage. Boop, 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 boop. Um, it's going to be nine. All right. Uh, this Minotaur looks like it is barely holding on. Um, Feverisk, it is your turn. I, uh, I grow, um, well, I'll do that in a second. I, uh, I kind of duck behind, uh, Arethros and I jab in towards that, um, uh, the, the vulnerable spot on the, uh, Minotaur that we've seen <clears throat> with right. my spear, uh, with Give both me hands. an attack roll. You get 1d20. That will be 14. You hit it. How much damage at max damage? Uh, with the two-handed, it's going to be 11. Okay, so you you jab right into that Minotaur's open wound, and the Minotaur lets out a, a like cry from the inside of its very being, uh, shouting up into the heavens. Uh, you know, the funny thing here is that the person who's been talking to the Minotaur the most has been Erythros. Uh, and Erythros, I believe, is the only one of the three of you who doesn't speak Minotaur. <laughs> What's that got to do with anything? <laughs> um, well, that's why Erythros is the only one who doesn't hear the Minotaur call out to Mogus. And as it does, you can kind of see the magic of Nyx swirl down around the Minotaur. <sighs> and uh, that jab would have killed it. You feel pretty confident. But it remains standing. Your Bronze Sable, I believe, has an action on this turn, correct? Yes. Uh, All right. But before that, before I shout a command to it, I, uh, I, I'm i going to use some, some very special curse words after what just happened. Mm -hmm. and, <laughs> and then um, <clears throat> I am going to command my Steel Defender to repair itself. So it's going to repair 2d8 plus 2 uh, of its hit points. It can do this three times a day so i'll mark down one of the times all right two plus two uh so it heals 11 damage all right so it's back up to 12 uh and that's that's it for its turn okay well it is now the minotaur's uh last stand uh with this sort of red and black glow that is surrounding the minotaur it is actually going to charge uh conveniently uh there are two of you standing right next to each other and that is Erythros and Feverisk. So uh, he is going to an attempt to gore both of you, one on each horn. Uh, okay. What do we roll? So, well, uh, you don't roll. He's making an attack roll, and he's attacking both of you. Uh, the first attack roll is going to Erythros, uh, and it is a crit. Oh, that's not good. Uh, so Erythros, you are going to take... Uh, let me roll the damage here. Because I'm actually going to roll it. I normally just uh, pick the damage. But for a crit, I'm actually going to roll it for you. So it's going to be... Oof. You are going to take uh, 24 damage, Erythros, from that hit. Oh! And the attack uh, on Feverisk, actually, I do believe... Uh, yep, his horn does not manage to catch purchase on you, Feverisk, but it does uh, rip your your uh, clothing just a little bit. But it makes a very solid purchase with Arethros. Uh, and after he gores through Arethros's iron suit of armor, uh, that's not my that's not a suit of armor. That's my body. Respect. Well, after it gores through your body, <laughs> that doesn't make it sound better. It sure doesn't. Uh, the Minotaur. Uh, continues on its path and then sort of collapses to the ground and you can see that magic that had surrounded it for just a moment dissipate um, and it is now laying inert on the ground. <sighs> <sighs> Only thing I like less than humans, Minotaur. Oh, that bodes well for the rest of this campaign. <laughs> I, I, I walk over and uh, clap Bronte on the arm. Not a complete waste of space, are you, kid? I'd hope not. As you are, you're standing there, uh, the Minotaur is very clearly dead. <laughs> I'm going to go poke it with my spear. 
Yeah, you, same. You, yeah. You can poke <laughs> it with your spear. This thing is covered in cuts and bruises. Uh, it's got that big open wound on its side. It is burned. Um, there's basically no actual fur left on this minotaur. It has all been charred. Um, and it is incredibly, incredibly dead. And as you are standing over it, uh, a moment of silence passes. And you can kind of hear off in the distance. All three of you can hear this. Uh, the sound of some pipes being played as if someone is trying to remember a tune and is f- just can't quite get it right. And it's just starting over again and over again. Not this again. <laughs> as you are standing there with this dead minotaur, the fog sort of dissipates and you can see uh, along the path that you had just been following before this fight is a uh, returned satyr with a goat. And the goat has some blood on one of its horns. Did we just kill that goat? Somehow. Wait, did the goat gore that minotaur? I I don't know. Can 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 I can I like try to compare? You know, give me a um a knowledge nature, and I will let you know. Not medicine. Not medicine. <laughs> You've got to know more about goats than about wounds here. Well, I'm just looking at the goat and then looking, remembering the wound. Yeah. But all right, uh, medicine or nature is a ten. You know, you don't remember a lot about goats uh, goring people, but you know this goat does have some pretty sharp horns, and it has a lot of blood on one of its horns. So uh, that might be a safe assumption. Uh, the returned satyr also has horns, though, but you don't see any blood on those. Uh, but the satyr has kind of stopped in its pathway. And is looking towards the three of you while trying to play this tune on its pipes. Your music is terrible. The the satyr, uh, the returned satyr is wearing this gold mask that's sort of affixed into a, a smile. Uh, and as you say that, it stops playing its pipes and it kind of looks down a little bit. And the shadows on the mask almost make it look like it's frowning now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Practice and get better. Then maybe I'll, then maybe I'll give you a compliment. Ugh. Undead satyr is the only thing worse than Minotaur. Are you going to Asphodel by chance? It perks up and looks at you, Bronte, with a smiling gold face again, and it and a very deep whisper from that almost sounds like wind passing through a bunch of dry uh, tubes. You hear it go, Asphodel, and it goes, Are you going to Asphodel? You can talk. From from the ground, I'm going to shout, Damn right we're going to Asphodel. And it, it uh, quickly on its hooves about faces. And as it does, the goat kind of hops up and also turns around. And it, it motions and goes, follow. And then starts walking down the path. Yeah, this seems like a terrible idea. I think it's uh, a great idea. <laughs> I agree that it's a terrible idea, but I have no other choice, so... All right, so are y'all going to follow this mysterious satyr? Yeah, I'll get up and follow the satyr. Fine. As we're walking, I kind of lean down uh, to Bronte and go, hey, so, so did that minotaur smell bad or what? Seriously, did it smell? I can't smell. Did it smell bad? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and assume that it did. Uh, you know, I will just give it to you that uh, the minotaur, you couldn't really smell at first, but once it was on fire, you definitely smelled a lot of minotaur. I'm going to to go ahead and uh, just shortcut your little travel here. You have to walk for several hours behind the satyr who doesn't actually say anything to you. Any attempts to talk to the satyr, it it just ignores you and keeps trying to play this tune on its pipes. Can I take out um, my lyre and try and play along? You can try, but it, it just sort of keeps getting maybe about six notes in and then stopping and then does another different six notes and then stops. And each one seems really kind of similar to the last, but there's just a little off. Um, and so it, it's sort of leading you on this this path and this terrible, drizzly, wet, foggy weather. Um, and as you're approaching, you can kind of see off into the distance some rather large structures uh, shrouded in this fog and cloud. And as you get within sight of it, the returned actually sort of turns around again and beckons you and takes you off the path just a little bit and leads you kind of around. Uh, 
you walk for a little bit more and you can hear the sounds of people or, well, something. Uh, They're people. They're people. Well, they were living people at one point. They're still people. Not so much anymore. Um. And they, you can hear those sounds, but you can't really see anything because you're kind of trudging through this like wooded, grassy area, swampy almost a little bit because of the weather. Um, and you come to what you assume to be actually a wall uh, after the satyr has pulled aside some vines for you and indicates to you uh, what appears to be an entrance through the wall. And it just goes, Asphodel. This is where you want to be. And then the satyr plays a few chimes on its pipes, and it and the goat sort of hop away. Wait, it doesn't, does it go through where it's indicating, or does it turn back to the way we came? Oh, it turns back the way you came. So have we had a chance to heal up on this walk at all? That doesn't count as a short rest or anything, does it? I, I, I'm going to say it doesn't count as a short rest, but don't be too concerned. After all, there's nothing around you threatening you. There's just a, a doorway into a wall. Well, can we let's just take a moment and like get out of the path and then take a short rest. Like, all right, yeah, I I agree. Out of character, yes. Okay, well, we all take a short rest. Whatever you need to do during a short rest. Uh, I just stand there. All right, so that's what we use the hit dice to regain our life. Our health. So during a short rest, for uh, those of you who may not know. Uh, what you can do as a player is you can roll your hit die and you can roll a number of hit die equal to your level uh, and then you add those hit die to your HP. So Arethros, I believe you have a D10 hit die as a fighter? Um, yep, that's correct. Okay, sure. So you can roll up to 3D10 um, and anyone can do this with their hit die number uh, and you can roll up to 3d10, and then you add your constitution modifier to each of those die, uh, and that is how much you regain. I wasn't listening. Um, Hold on. Okay. <laughs> I, I healed back four health. Okay. I healed back nine, so... What, what am I doing? You roll your hit die, which is a d10, and then add your, mo- your, um, your constitution modifier. Okay. And that's how much you heal. You can use multiple hit die at once if you want, but you only add your con mod once. And so I'll heal 12. All right. That's half as much of the damage you took, so that's pretty good. Yeah. Not worried. Never worried. You take your short rest, uh, and are you going to uh, travel into this hole in the wall? Hell yeah. Sure. All right. Well, the satyr appears to have guided you. Yes? Before we go through, so you said we hear the sounds of movement and activity as if it were a city, but not necessarily. You hear the sounds of a city, but they, they're not coming from this entrance. You seem to be at the wall to a structure or maybe a wall to the city itself. It's kind of uh, overgrown. It seems like it's not really a commonly traversed area. All right. Um, yeah, proceed. Um. So you're going to enter into this little secret passageway. Yeah, like um, r- right before I enter, I turn back, look back into the fog and say, I'm going to miss that goat. <laughs> it, I, I, it was the only thing I've met so far on this adventure I actually liked. Uh, I will lead the way into, because okay. I have dark vision, I'll, I'll, and I don't trust the robot that I will, mm-hmm. I will uh, I'll lead Not the way a robot. inside Uh, so you enter into the secret passageway and it seems to be uh, not very much uh, use comes from this passageway it's sort of dirty, there's cobwebs Um, it doesn't look like it's intentional for people to go in and out of it as if this satyr has led you to somewhere uh, that most living people and even most returned probably don't know exist so you're leading with dark vision um do you have any other source of light that you want to use? I think you dropped your torches. Sure so unless did. you have another well, torch. We, we have, mo- or I, at least I have multiple torches. I have ten torches in my pack. So. Oh, I don't know. All right. Many, so I have are... nine now. So I'll light one of those. <laughs> I could cast Burning Hands again. Nope, don't need that. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't know if that's a good idea. 
if any of you indicate you need light, I can I can provide. Um, so just at at a character, uh, I I would reach over and give you like something that would give you like a small amount of light, so you can see your immediate surroundings and not like trip over anything. All right. All right. Well, um, let's just say Bronte lights the torch, and Bronte will be uh, pulling up the rear, I guess, just like uh, in the other tunnel that you took that was secret. I, uh, I, that I was in the back of well. that tunnel. Oh, okay. That, well, that's then... why we all fell down. <laughs> yeah, because I was the only one who passed. So maybe Bronte has learned his lesson and is no longer going to stand in front of the golem. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give my torch to you, Rethros, so that they can see, and I'm just in the back looking, following that torchlight. All right, well, this um, this passageway kind of winds around a little bit. Uh, you can hear stuff like pretty clearly from the other sides of it, as if maybe uh, what you're walking through now is inside of a wall. Um, because it seems like the walls that you're walking between, you can hear things coming from either side, but you don't see any openings or windows or anything that could sort of point you through them. Uh, and it takes you probably a solid 10 to 15 minutes of just walking before you reach anything that looks, I would say, um, intentional. And what you find standing in front of you uh, is a doorway of some kind. Um, you don't see a handle on it, but what you do see in front of you is uh, along about eye level of this doorway are five uh, mosaic panels uh, raised up a little bit from the door. And that is what's standing in front of you. So can I roll for either perception or investigation to to look at the mechanism or see if there's see if it's obviously trapped or if there's anything that might hint at what the purpose of this is? Uh, so I would say if you're rolling investigation, I would like you to tell me what exactly you're looking for. If you want just more general information, that would be perception. I am looking for mechanisms uh, around this door and these these mosaics to see if I mm-hmm. <clears throat> if I spot anything obvious like uh, uh, triggers and things like that. All right, roll me an investigation. That is eleven. <laughs> Um, you know, it looks like uh, there's these five raised panels on this uh, doorway. Um, you don't see any hinges, and you don't see any like trip wires or anything like that. But you don't really know exactly maybe what's going on with an investigation roll of eleven. Mm. Okay. Why don't we just uh, punch it? Well, I step we out. Wanna... <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead, Bronte. You talk. Well, we don't want to just destroy something if it if it could possibly have bad repercussions on us I, i'm tired of that we, we've we've caused or at least i've gotten in enough trouble for destroying stuff that were being somewhere that i wasn't supposed to be and i'm not sure we're supposed to be here so let's just try not to leave any trace that we were here so um i would like to like look at this wall and try to figure out what's going on but i will tap myself and say Karanos, grant me insight and i'm casting guidance on myself all right and i'm going to uh take a look at this wall and see what i see i guess just making a perception check to or i guess whichever you would prefer me to make to try Uh, to figure out what's going on here if you just want some general information about it uh perception okay uh while bronte is investigating i say "Mm, the 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 weakling human is right we we want to pass with as little of a trace as possible. All right. How will uh, they even I'll... know we're here? Well, if you're punching a, a hole in the wall, they'll probably know when they hear the crash. Um, I'll I'll do an investigation check, I guess. All right. What are you looking for? Uh, like a way to open this. What we assume is a door. All right. That's a fifteen. All right. With a fifteen, you can see. Uh, that these raised panels on the door uh, appear to be uh, sort of switches, as in, like, you can see this the seam between them and the rest of the door. And as you sort of reach up and you're, you're feeling them, you touch one of the panels and you can feel it depress just a little bit. So you know that you can press these panels. Um, I will say also with a, a 15 investigation, you can see that each panel has a different 
piece of art on it. Uh, From the very far left, and there's five of these panels all about the size of a palm. Uh, On the far left, you see that it is a panel that depicts uh, the image of Heliod's crown. Uh, The next panel over shows a bident. The next panel over to the right shows a whip. And then to the right of that uh, appears to be a hammer. And then the last one uh, shows a bow. Mm. All right. Uh, just <laughs> in mm-hmm. in character, um, not in character, I'm going to roll for religion uh, uh-huh. to see if I recognize these symbols. Or can I roll history? I'm actually good at history. History and religion work here because you're on Theros where they're literally the same thing. And it's a six. God, I'm rolling terrible tonight. Uh, you know, that's really interesting because there's like a whip and a bow <laughs> and uh, a fork, like a two-pronged fork. Yeah. Uh, I can, I'll do a religion check. All right. Uh, it's going to be a nine. Even with my <laughs> uh, plus you know, five. Oof. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say you have an advantage on religion here because uh, you're kind of born from religion so, so so what you're saying is i should roll again <laughs> you should roll sucked. again oh that's a 13 uh with a 13 you definitely recognize that the uh second from the left one so the fourth one in the row mm-hmm. uh is definitely depicting uh the hammer of perforos i know that one what is it that's the hammer of perforos Oh, right. the god! Bronte's gonna like. I feel like I should know all of these just because that's kind of what I've been doing is training at the, the theater school. I should know all of this stuff. Oh so. yeah, you you recognize them immediately. So yeah, the, these are the the symbols of the weapons of the gods. Like this is Heliot's spear and Erebos's bow and Perforos's hammer and I. Uh, I'm missing. Well, uh, Erebos has a whip. Yeah, Erebos's whip. I'm sorry, what did Mm. I see from And uh, notably, um, that wasn't Heliod's spear. It's Heliod's crown. Oh, his crown. Oh. Mm -hmm. Well, then I know that one's out of place because the rest of these are... Should I hit the hammer with my hammer? Um... Do, do you really want to hit the hammer with your hammer? I'm asking no, no, the rest of the no, party. No, no, I'm going to touch the Heliod's crown and see what happens. Uh, so you press in on that that panel, and as you do, uh, when you pull your hand away from it, uh, it sort of spins in place, and both it and Thassa's Bident turn around. And on the back of them, you see gold masks. So right now you have a gold mask, a gold mask, a whip, a hammer, and a bow. Mm. Erebos, he claims the dead, yes? Yes. Uh, press the whip. No, 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 no. I feel like that's the one that needs to be left alone. So I'm going to touch Nylea's bow. Uh, as you press in Nylea's bow and you pull your hand away, it flips over, showing a gold mask. And also, the hammer flips over, showing a gold mask. Hmm. And I guess now we press the whip? Do you press the Do whip? Do I'm going to hit the yeah. whip with a hammer? No, 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 do not hit the whip with your hammer. I do, my, I my, hand, my hand was already on, on the handle of my hammer behind me. I slowly put my arm down. I, I step back a little bit to, to stand next to Erythros, and I say, mm, yes, small human, press the, press the whip. <laughs> but noticeably step back from whatever's about to happen. Oh, boy, here we go. Um, I'm going to step as far away as I can. I'm going to... Press it with the with my javelin. Uh, so you press it in, and as you pull the javelin away, it flips over and shows a gold mask. And the uh, the bident to the left of it flips back over, and the hammer to the right of it flips back over. <sighs> so now you have gold mask, bident, gold mask, hammer, gold mask. We could just punch the hole through the door. Okay. Uh huh. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna walk up to it and and go and grumble. Mm, I think I figured out the trick of this. So I press the the gold mask that used to be the whip again. Uh huh. 
And as you do, it flips over, showing the whip, and the two ones on either side flip back over, showing the mask. Okay. So now, mask, mask, whip, mask, mask. So then I I reach over and press the one that used to be the hammer. Uh Uh-huh. And that flips over, flipping over the bow with it, and flips the whip back over to the gold mask. And then I press the bow. Uh, As you press the bow and you pull your hand away, it flips over showing a gold mask and the hammer also flips over showing a gold mask. And there's a moment where it's all very quiet. And then you start hearing a little bit of rumbling. And as you do, this stone door that's in front of you starts lifting up as if just being pulled up effortlessly from where it was. And in front of you is this beautiful gilded room with the most gorgeous plush furniture you've ever seen, a banquet table that is just covered in delicious food, and it is just lit by these torches, and at the table you see, a from behind, a shape that appears to be a returned. And as the door goes up, that shape sort of stops, and it's holding in one hand a like hunk of meat and in the other hand a bottle of wine Mm, more of these things and you you're all standing there in this doorway looking through at this room and the returned kind of slowly turns around and you see that it's not a returned and instead it appears to be a living human woman covered in gray paint except for her face which is currently covered in crumbs and the juices of this meat and that's where we're going to end for today. Interesting. Who is this crazy? I woman? need some final thoughts. My final thought is that this campaign is fun. Uh, it's it's a little hard to role play because we like are um, you know we're we're a little pressed for time here as well, so we want to mm-hmm. keep moving. But I hope I hope people are enjoying the the little humor we're inj- interjecting in this thing. Gotta keep it snappy. Mm. I'm enjoying uh, letting my inner grouch out and just hating everything. <laughs> Every everyone that isn't a Leonin. Oh boy, that's racist. <laughs> I got to do a cool attack. That's basically my only goal for this character was to do cool attacks. So if I die next week or in two weeks, then uh, it was a successful campaign anyway. No one's going to die yet. I came close. <laughs> you did come very close. <laughs> My magically reappearing spear is because of a um, a uh, artificer infusion. Um, so that's uh, that's wh- that's why I could magically have my spear reappear in my hand. Jealous. I have I have one other uh, infused item that I'm hoping to use before the end of this campaign, but I'm not going to reveal what it is. Oh, the, the, the thing I did where where I did the burning hands and then took my extra action and did a thing where I started attacking without the hammer and then summoned it into my hand to finish the attack. That is the thing I had been planning for the last bunch of weeks. Like, once I made this character, I had, like, all these ideas about cool ways to do attacks. And there, there's more in my head. We'll see if we get to them. My final thought is that um, I'm kind of mad that I, I forgot to log on to Pokemon Sword this week, and uh, or for the last couple weeks, and catch the uh, Gigantamax Alcremies. So really disappointed with myself, because yeah, I have some. I have some extras if you would like some. And there are Milseries that you can evolve into the G Max Alcremies right now. Still, oh, well, yeah, that's good to know. I'll probably be doing that after I get my last two wins on arena for our critical role starts tonight so <laughs> oh they're a little better at this than we are slightly <laughs> uh you know they've just had several more years of experience um and a lot more funding than we have and uh speaking of pokemon and funding uh my final thought is just how happy i am to be a member of our discord server the Vorthos Cast Discord server is definitely like my favorite one that I'm a member of. Aww. Um, I everyone there is pretty great, and uh, it's just been a lot of fun running D and D through there and 
getting this opportunity to like tell a story with some cool people and people can like listen in live on the session and it's just a lot of fun yeah so i guess we should take this opportunity to also mention that we have invited chris to be a full-time member of the cast even after the D adventure is over and he has said yes so we're happy to have him because the D adventure is actually never going to end we're just going to be this is now a D podcast <laughs> awesome we we've we've really tricked him into just permanently dming for us okay but sort of <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of part of it. Uh, that's fair. I, I, I think in our planning, it looks like we're probably going to do more D and D stuff. Uh, so we will let folks know. But there's, it's looking like a high chance we might do this again for Acoria. So that'll be fun. And speaking of future things, next week we have an interview with James Wyatt, who was the creative lead on Theros Beyond Death. So definitely, definitely. Tune in next week for an awesome episode. Uh, anytime we get Watsy folks on on here, they they are some of my favorite episodes. We get to have all kinds of fun and talk about all kinds of interesting things. So I'm excited. All right. So if you liked all those things Chris said, uh, you can access all that on our Patreon. So if you head over to Patreon.com/slash/TheVorthosCast, everyone who donates gets access to our Discord community, where things like this were really created last year through some. Just fun little campaigns we did on there. So uh, if that's something that interests you, uh, supporting the show is the easiest way to ensure that we get to keep making it. There's also a very active Pokemon channel. So if you want one of those Gigantamax Alcremes, I'm making sure that Jay doesn't feel so alone. I appreciate um, it. Thank you for butchering If words. you want one of those, they're the... The Pokemon channel is there as well. All right. Thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos Cast.